and welcome to the Seahawks 360 podcast, a sports ethos production, where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I'm your host, Candace Higgins, and as always, it is a pleasure and a privilege to talk Hawks with you. This is an important week seven for your Seattle Seahawks. It is a pivotal game. They are playing the Los Angeles Chargers, who are coming off of an emotional Monday night win against the Broncos, which if you're a Seahawks fan, I'm sure you tuned into. And it's really a test for both the offense and the defense on the Seattle Seahawks side. One, they have the opportunity to take advantage of a team coming off of a short week, an emotional week. One that required for them to ultimately go into overtime, to have to win that one and pull it out against a divisional opponent on national TV. And that was a big win for them. But from the Seahawks side, they're coming off of a week where they were able to upset the chart, the Cardinals. But while the defense showed up for the first time all year and had a pretty dominant performance, the offense struggled a bit. I mean, they weren't completely inept, but it was definitely a step back from what we've seen from Geno and the Seattle Seahawks in the past few weeks. And so it begs the question for Geno, was that just a one-off? Will he step his game up or will he continue to regress back to the mean? And if so, what is his floor? Or can he take advantage of a car- of a Chargers defense that is by no means produced anything close to what they were billed as at the beginning of the season? They are more middle of the pack, honestly, if not bad. Can Geno take advantage of that? That's a great question. And for the defense coming off of a strong performance against the Cardinals, whose offense had struggled up until, that, up until their matchup, can the defense hold up, play decently well against a thriving, well, Justin Herbert is exactly thriving, but the Chargers' offense has been known to be explosive, potent, and they hadn't been that as of late, but Keenan Allen has been hurt. He might be coming back if Keenan Allen is playing Can they hold their own? Even if he's not playing, can they actually take advantage of a team that's down their key receivers? Because we all witnessed a Lions game that had three wide receivers basically go out at some point in that game. It had two already out, and then they lost one during the middle of the game. And they were not able to take advantage of that by letting the tight end make franchise records for yards produced in a game. Can this defense hold up, be respectable? Can this defense become respectable against the run, against the running back threat in Austin Eckler that is one of the best in this league, a top 10 running back? This is really a turning point. If the defense can hold up, if the offense can at least thrive or look very good against a decent Chargers defense, can this team maybe be good. It really comes down to, for the Seahawks, this game being, in some ways, a game that will define the season. Most people, when they looked at this game, preseason, automatically wrote this off as a loss. Some people wrote it off as an embarrassing loss, rightfully so. But this this team has proven that they've been more competitive and they've been better than a lot of people expected, the offense at least. Defense has not been, but the defense, are they truly turning a corner? 
So a lot of questions to be answered here this week. It sets the the stage for an incredible and pivotal week seven. Also, for the Chargers, I'm sure they're looking at this as an easy win for them. This is this is important to them, but somehow I just don't think it'll be as important as that game on Monday was for them. So anyway, we're going to break everything on down as we prepare for that important matchup for the Seattle Seahawks. We'll get into all of your matchups, keys to win the game, as well as three reasons to fear, three reasons to cheer. So let's get into it and talk some Hawks. All right, so first, before we get into the matchups and things like that, I want to give a quick rundown of where we are with injuries. It's probably the shorter of all of the injury breakdowns I've done to this point, so um, I'm I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but there are some important notes here. So for the Chargers, they've already labeled as out. Joshua Palmer, rookie wide receiver, who I I like a lot. He's going to be out. They're also going to be out. Uh, Joshua Kelly, who is their backup running back. They're going to be out Donald Parham Jr., who is their backup tight end, as well as their hero kicker from from just this past Monday in Dustin Hopkins. He is ruled as officially out. Questionable, they have Keenan Allen. No introduction or anything else needed. Uh, They also have Sebastian Joseph Day as ruled as questionable. And that's sort of the end of it for that. Now, the biggest factor here, a couple notes. Well, of course, the kicker, I think, will be huge in this game because there's already a team led by Brandon Staley who tends to go forward on fourth downs anyway. I think that's going to really influence their tendencies this, this particular game as well, which can be to the advantage of the Seahawks, similar to that it was in the Arizona game uh, just last week for them. And then, of course, Keenan Allen, who's going to be a huge X factor in terms of if he's going to come back. I I personally, if I'm them, I don't really think, If honestly, I, I sure you could say I'm biased, but their bye week is next week. I don't really know why you would play him for this week. And you've got a bye week coming up, like let him heal. That way, when he does come back, you don't risk re-injuring him. That's just me. But I'm not in charge of the, of the Chargers. I think even if he does come back, he's not going to be fully himself. So it's an X factor either way. Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen, even if he's not completely healthy. But that's something to watch for. From the Seahawks side of it, the only person who has officially been ruled as out is Isaiah Dunn, who is more of a special teamer. So that's not really an impact player. They've also been had. They've also had Penny Hart, Artie Burns, and Gabe Jack- Jackson. They're all doubtful. They probably won't play. Artie Burns, you know, you'd love to see a little bit of cornerback depth, I think, given I don't really know how Michael Jackson will hold up against these particular receivers, especially if Keenan Allen plays. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not really too mad at Gabe Jackson not being able to play. It gives Phil Haynes another opportunity. I like his upside. I like that he's playing, even though sometimes Gabe Jackson can play slightly better at times. He can also sometimes have a lower floor than what I think exists for Bill Haynes. So, but the biggest thing to watch for from the Seahawks side of it is they've listed as questionable Tyler Lockett. Now, this is particularly interesting because if both Tyler Lockett and Keenan Allen are ruled as out or inactive for that game, I think it sort of levels a playing field. My hope is that they don't bring Keenan Allen and we can't play Tyler Lockett. Uh, I don't want to risk Tyler Lockett getting 
further injured, so it's a hamstring that he's dealing with. Hopefully, they'll you know want you want him here, obviously, but I don't want to risk him getting further injured either because he'll be needed. And then we've got Sidney Jones. He's also been ruled as questionable. He probably won't be active anyway, as we all know. He's been a healthy scratch at times when he has been healthy, so I wouldn't too much worry about that. So pretty. It's straightforward in ways, but I think there are some impact players to pay attention to on the on the injury list for both teams. Now, now that we've gone over that, let's get into these matchups because I think there'll be some really interesting ones and some ones I'm really excited to see this week in particular. So number one is probably on everybody's mind is Tariq Woolen versus Keenan Allen slash Mike Williams. Given the health of Keenan Allen, you don't really know which one he's going to be going up against, but... Uh, it will be interesting to see what he does against Keenan Allen. That really would be, see, can he hold up? You know, he's going to have some tougher competition in terms of wide receivers, and he started off great, but he's got to put these games together. So my hope is he doesn't get too big, too ahead of himself. He's been defensive player of the week, et cetera, et cetera. He's got to hold up. He's got people watching him now. The expectations are on. He's got to hold up really well against some of these more elite talents if he's got a chance if he wants a chance and winning defensive rookie of the year um these matchups are going to matter and even if it is mike williams i think he can handle mike williams mike williams can easily get shut out so sometimes they don't even tend to target mike williams the way they need to i I certainly felt like he should have been more involved in the game last week if Tariq Williams covering him i'm not really worried about Tariq Williams getting exposed he can he could but I just don't think that's going to happen. I'm not even sure Justin Herbert's going to throw his way. Another interesting thing to watch for is, are we at the point where quarterbacks just start stop throwing in his direction? Has it happened yet? Is it too soon? It may be too soon for that to really start taking form, more than likely. But it, it is a, a important narrative, I think, to watch, seeing how many targets he gets each week. In fact, that's something I'm going to pay attention to. Yeah, moving forward, I, I vow here on this show to give you guys, let you guys know how teams are targeting Tariq and then how he's handling the targets that he does receive. The next matchup that will be interesting is a Jared Everett revenge game. Um, Jared Everett will be matched up against Jordan, Jordan Brooks more than likely, and everybody knows Jordan Brooks struggles in coverage mightily, so this will be a test to see if he can, you're not really looking to see if he can do well, you're looking to see if he can contain Everett. Everett's not normally a threat, but I'm sure that the scouting department has circled that as a matchup they really want to get regularly. If I were the coaching staff, I would definitely make it a point to make sure to do like they did last week and do a lot more three safety looks just to prevent Jordan Brooks from being in, in from being put in inadvantageous situations. But um, I think that's just what I would do if I was a coaching staff. You want to try to minimize Jordan Brooks in coverage as much as you can, or you want to give him some help. That way he can maybe more play to his strengths. So that's sort of the goal when you're looking at Jordan. But um, another matchup is, and this one's big, Khalil Mack versus Charles Cross. He struggled at times Cross has against some tougher components. I think the blitz really, I mentioned this last week, the blitz, the blitz stunts and just a variety of things Vance Joseph and his defensive scheme threw at Charles Cross, I think, put him in a disadvantageous situation. I don't think he'll face this same type of pressure, but Khalil Mack is a monster, and he already has 22 pressures this this year. I do have concerns about if Charles Cross will be able to keep up 
with Khalil Mack, in my opinion, they really need to double-team Khalil Mack. You don't have uh, Joey Bosa double-team Mack, make him not a factor here. That's sort of what I would do, but this is the same team that chooses not to double-team Aaron Donald every time when they play the Rams, and I don't understand that either. So I wouldn't get my hopes up high for them double-teaming Mack too much. I don't think that's the type of thing you want to put them on an island. You've already seen just last week how the poor offensive line play really does impact Geno's performance. And if you want Geno to play well, you got to put your O-line in better situations. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think they're going to do that, though. Even if they don't, and they probably won't for the record, I think one thing that's underrated is that even though Sean Desai is on the defensive side of the ball, I think he can be very helpful in create, helping create an offensive plan that helps mitigate or puts Khalil Mack in negative situations, situations that he maybe doesn't thrive as much in when he's playing against your offense. Some of that insight, that background, that knowledge that he'll be able to provide in, hey, if you if you uh, run this stunt or if you pull your guard, then he will be less likely to be able to, you know, get, get a pressure or if you if you if you set up the offensive line this way or if you do this type of play, those type of plays, you'll sort of mitigate his effectiveness in the in the play. Like if he can really be in the ear of Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll as they're creating the offensive scheme, I think that'll be really helpful. I don't think many people are talking about that, but I really hope that's something that this staff thought to take advantage of because he's the key. I mean he's the guy on that defense who can wreck your offense potentially, especially with those two rookie tackles. So you want to be aware of the things that you can do sort of mitigate that. You're not going to be able to completely stop a Khalil Mack, but can you contain him? And so that's something that's used to watch for as well. And then another matchup that I want to talk about is DK, of course, versus C versus JC Jackson, who has been absurdly disappointing to this point through the season. He's been benched at times. I don't even know if they're going to start him because he's played so poorly. If they match up DK Metcalf with C with JC Jackson, man, it's over. It's over. At Gino will eat. Um, DK will eat. DK's had a couple of down games or what have you, but I think he can start, certainly bounce back in, with this matchup. That will be exciting for him to see. I don't really think there's a corner. And then I have Samuel on the other side, Asante Samuel Jr. He's pretty good. I don't really think they have a corner that can match DK, though. So, either way, it's a great game for DK. You'd rather still you'd rather it be good with having DK and Tyler Lockett in at the same time. If Tyler Lockett can play, if he's healthy enough to play. You like the idea of having them both in because then they can't just keep continue to double-team DK, which they probably will. They have the threat of Lockett. But regardless, if there's a double team that I think DK could take, it's probably against the Chargers. So, just saying, something to watch for. Another matchup that I want to highlight is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a top 10 running back in this league. Austin Eckler right now is top 10 in yards. He's a top 10 running back from scrimmage because he's a threat, not just from the rushing game, which the Seahawks have done a terrible job of, but he's also a huge threat in the receiving game. And he's a guy that can get along those edges and just get first down at the first down at the first down and keep your defense on the field. 
it's going to be really critical to stop him. Right now he has 610 yards total from scrimmage. 349 of those yards are from rushing, and he's got 261 receiving yards, which is incredible. He's a guy you got to watch out for. So who is he going to be matched up against? My hope is Boye Mafe, the rookie who was really good at stopping the run and really good at setting the edge. He's been elite at that um, through his first few games with the Seahawks. Can he keep that up? And I'm, I'm really happy. This is a game in particular where I'm really happy to have an experienced veteran like Bruce Irvin be elevated from the practice squad. And I'm curious to see what he looks like in setting that edge. I, that's something I trust Bruce to do. I don't know how much he's going to give you from a pass rush perspective. Probably a little bit more than my face been able to give you even at this age. But I definitely know one thing, and that's that Bruce can set an edge. And so that's going to be critical to the game plan because you got to stop him from, from getting out, getting those extra first downs. Because that's been something they've struggled in. I don't really think they're going to run Austin Eckler from the middle too much. You got Big Al Woods. He's he's back. He's coming back. He's proven that he's good at stopping the run. They're going to try to take advantage of some of these, you know, what's what's been put on them. And that's that the Seahawks are weak if you can run them on, if you can run along the edges. Can they stop that? If they can contain that, that goes a long way to getting the Seahawks a W in this week. And then finally... Uh, Eugene Nwosu revenge game. He's going to be going up against a rookie tackle in Jamari Slayer, who's been doing pretty well holding up holding up his own. But Eugene is a vet. He's he's officially a vet in this league now, and he's got something to prove. He didn't really get a lot of opportunities the way he wanted with the Chargers, and he's really pleased with his role right now, starting for the Seattle Seahawks. He is going to be for revenge. He's already posted about the fact that he can't wait for this game. And while he's got to keep it in check and you don't want to play it off too, too much emotion, this guy, I, I trust him to play with a chip on his shoulder. He played very well when the whole team had a chip on their shoulder in week one against the Broncos. I most certainly expect him to play the same way. I would love to see him have a big game and, and really get it going. This pass rush coming off of six games last week for them to be able to, you know, I can't expect them to duplicate that, but if Chinamoshu can get in and get himself a couple of sacks, that would be a big difference maker in this game. So that's all I've got for matchups. So let's get into the keys for victory. Victory, victory, victory. So, key number one, I say it pass early and often. This Chargers defense, I think, is challenged vertically. The few times with which Russell was able to make a play against them in the Broncos game last week, it was pretty much wide open, like a busted coverage. They struggle with their, their cornerbacks aren't particularly strong, and they do have good safety, so maybe don't throw it super down deep, but I mean, a lot of intermediate throws. Just take advantage of this team. I mean, they do got some good linebackers and Calvin Noy, but they just don't seem connected. They don't seem together. I don't know if it's the scheme or what, but they don't seem to be able to capitalize on the scheme that Brandy Staley, Brandon Staley has put together for this team. So, pass early. And when I say pass early, I mean on first downs. Let's not just do the run-one pass. And this team has been better with that this year. But continue to pass on first down. Continue to pass... Um, throughout the game and then that'll help open up the run game as well 
I think you can use Ken Walker as a receiver threat. You've just got options and versatility available to you. They will take advantage of some of the weaker spots in this defense. So um, let Geno cook this game. So that's key one. Key number two, I've said it before, please double team Khalil Mack. Please do. Don't leave Cross on the island with this guy or, or Lucas on the island with this guy. Let's make sure the pass protection is strong so that we can get the passes that we need off or sometimes we can go deep sometimes we can have an explosive player too let's 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 help out the defense by helping the offense and if we can do that this team can do that if they will just double team Mac at least often I mean often enough I say most of the game I mean no reason for him to be in single coverage really in my opinion unless Sean decides I see something that you could take advantage of there so and when I say Sean Desai, I do mean I know him. That's the defensive court. That's a defensive assistant guy. I'm saying that because he's worked with Khalil Mack, as I mentioned before. And unless he says that there are situations in which you can single block and it'll still be advantageous for your offense, uh, then I, I wouldn't have him in single cover, single um, blocking with a Charles, Charles or Lucas, either one. Number three, contain... Austin Eckler. I already mentioned him in terms of his explosiveness and the key matchup that this is for this team. If they can't contain him, the game is over. And it's no coming back. But I feel I feel pretty confident about this team's ability. I like the edge setters that they've got. A good rotation of Mafe and um, Bruce Irvin. Chenna has been pretty good at stopping the run and he's got he's got something to prove too so he I don't think he's gonna be letting stuff just get by but I think they'll be able to be serviceable keep him contained prevent him from getting those you know taking uh, uh take get the extra three yards to make it a first down keep the defense on the field that's what they want to avoid they can make if they can tackle correctly tackling also will be important they still they got better in that against the Cardinals game but can't have a lot of missed tackles right here when you get this guy you got to tackle him and they really need to rally to the ball more than anything that needs to be the mindset nobody should be seen nobody should be a one-on-one -on -one tackling Eckler needs to be two guys rallying to the ball trying to tackle Eckler would love to see a, a fumble uh, forced by uh, Kobe Bryant again that's a really good opportunity right there Try to punch the ball out against Austin Eckler, get a turnover. That'd be something that's nice to see. And then my fourth key, which is going to be really important, this could help. This could help shape the game. I mean, I've, I've hinted at it before, but the fourth down defense must be incredible. Third down, I don't think it's going to be as big a factor. Yes, third down defense is normally one you want to focus on, but this team is going to go for it on fourth down so often, not just because they're they're naturally slated to do that but also because they don't have a kicker they don't have a healthy kicker and they're not going to trust this guy and lean on this new guy to to get it i mean certain situations maybe to kick but they're going to trust their offense more than they're going to trust their special teams in this game and so fourth down defense if you can make stops on fourth down get the get the turnover on fourth down that's huge that was huge against the Cardinals. It's going to play just as big of a factor in this game right here. So those are the key to win, the keys to victory. They can do those things. It goes a long way for the Seattle Seahawks to get a W in Los Angeles. So let's talk about the three reasons to fear and the three reasons to cheer. A couple of these I've already gotten into, so I'm going to just run through these real quick. But 
first Austin Eckler. That's a reason to fear. You know, with, with this team's run game, it's gotten a little bit better, but it's still worst in the league, bottom five in run defense. Still struggling to make tackles and get guys down, especially slipperier, more slippery running backs. So that's something that they've got to get under control this week if they have any expectation to get this win. Number two reason to fear. This offense is just different when it comes to Kenan Allen if this guy plays. They're so much more explosive. He's able to, he's such a great playmaker. And while I do, I, I love what I've seen in Kobe Bryant. I, I've loved what I've seen from Tariqa Woolen. And even Michael Jackson's played okay. But this is a different animal. It really is. And if he's, he's gonna play, then that's a reason to be nervous. And then finally, reason to fear, Khalil Mack. I already mentioned he's got 22 pressures to his name against these two rookie tackles. He's probably licking his chops and saying, I got this. Seahawks need to have a real plan in terms of how to contain him. They just can't go out there and see what happens. They need to have a real, real plan to be able to stop Khalil Mack. Or if not, that's a reason to be nervous for this team. But reasons to cheer? Man, here's a fun fact. PFF actually ranks as the number 17th offensive ranked offensive line in the league. The Chargers are ranked 18th, so their offensive line is actually worse. So Eugenia has even more of a chance to cook. Uh, the Seahawks are gradually getting better. We're approaching top 15. The team is approaching top 15 in terms of running back, in terms of O-line play, which is huge. Um, with two rookie tackles, they were thought to be one of the worst in the league. And they started off kind of rocky, but I think they're working their way up as a unit. So that's absolutely something that's positive to see. Reason number two to be excited. Another fun fact, Justin Herbert has a 79.6 passer rating against zone. And everybody knows that, that Pete Carroll is going to run zone. He does not do as well against zone. He does much better against man coverage. Herbert actually has a 114.9 passer rating against man coverage. So. The way that this team plays already naturally um, is a disadvantage for Justin Herbert. It's not to say he's not functional, but it, he's not. That's not how he thrives, and so that's going to help slow down. You know, an already injured. He's already injured. He's playing through injury at least, and he's going to have to deal with a defense that doesn't exactly um, match towards his preferences. So that's something to be excited about. And then thirdly. As I mentioned, it's so important that this team that Justin Herbert, who's already injured, is going to be coming off of a short week, an emotional win, is similar to the, the trap that the Seahawks fell into from week one to week two, in that it was coming off of a short week against a division rival. That, their game went to overtime, the Seahawks didn't, but it was just such a huge win for the team that that quick turnaround and on top of health is not ideal for them. It's definitely an advantage for the Seahawks and something I think they can take advantage of. I think they should take advantage of that. And even though they're in the underdogs, I think that's something that get up, gets overlooked and could really you know, have the Seahawks have an upset right here. Get them over 500, wouldn't that be nice? And then finally, I think the Uchenna Nwosu storyline is big. We, in week one, Uchenna was the best player on the defense 
by far. And I think he can easily show himself that again. Him and a much better, much improved Tariq Woolen together can can really cause some havoc for their offense. I really believe that they can with something to prove. So my final prediction for this team is 28-21 Seahawks. I initially, I did have this as a loss, I'll admit. In the preseason, I didn't expect this team to be able to win this, but given the circumstances, given all of the context that I've just broken down here, I'm fairly optimistic about the Seahawks' outlook, even though this is a road game. So, 28-21, I got the Seahawks winning. And we'll be right here at Ethos Seahawks to break it all down for you. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. That's CandaceH901. Or be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Ethos Seahawks. We got all your breakdowns, polls, give little snippets, fun facts. We give PFF grades. So if you're interested in any of those things, be sure to check, check us out and give us a follow. If you're listening on YouTube, we'd love to hear your comments. What are you thinking? What do you predict that the Seahawks uh, score will be? How do you think it'll go? We'd love to hear your feedback. Well, guys, that's all I have for you today. That's it. I'm out. And as always, go Hawks.